The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 190. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart, Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position was wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hey, I'm Scottish. I can complain about things. She'll be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story called Amy's Choice. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, please uh, do me a favor. Go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And write a review of The Secrets of Doctor Who for us. We haven't had any reviews in a while, and we'd love to get your reviews in there. That helps get the podcast in front of new listeners, and it helps us grow. And we really do appreciate it. It's not just, well, we love the ego stroke of you saying how much you love the podcast, which we do. But but it also helps get new listeners, and we really do appreciate that. Because it tells the algorithm there's interest in this podcast, and it wouldn't yes. write a review. Yes, yes. that's uh, I should have said that. So uh, this episode is we're we're back uh, in uh, series five of the new Who of the re- revised the re- renewed Doctor Who. This aired in May of 2010, and we have it's the seventh episode of that season. So we have Amy and Rory and the Doctor, and uh, I was going to say Amy, Rory, and the Doctor on the TARDIS, but that's not so clear as we begin this episode where they are. In fact, it starts with the town of Ledworth. That's the Upper Ledworth, the village but in, in the town of Ledworth. Uh, and this is the town where the Doctor first encountered Amy and Rory, remember, in the beginning of the season. And apparently time has passed because Amy is not only pregnant, she is really most sincerely pregnant. <laughs> very, very pregnant. <laughs> With lots of jokes throughout the episode, in yes. kind. Yeah. Yes. But they're living in this ideal village. The Doctor is nowhere to be seen. And this is a jump from where we were at the end of the previous episode, which was Vampires of Venice. And this episode plays an important function in the story arc for these characters, because Mm -hmm. as we learned at the beginning of the series, Amy was running away from her wedding, and we didn't know much about that until she comes back a couple episodes ago and makes a move on the Doctor, which Stephen Moffat has admitted was a mistake. But he rebuffs her, and immediately then in the next episode, Vampires of Venice, decides to take Amy and Rory on a date so they can sort out their relationship together. And that set, that introduces Rory to the world of time travel, so he's now a fully functioning player in the story. And now it's time for Amy to make a choice between yes. the Doctor and Rory so we don't have this lingering thing hanging over the series any longer. This is the resolution of that plot thread, which way is Amy going to go? 
And so that's the overall function of this episode. And of course, it's why it's called Amy's Choice. Who is she going to choose? Ultimately, is it going to be the Doctor or Rory? Right. And this is apparently taking place five years after uh, the events of Vampires of Venice. So it's like we're supposed to think five mm-hmm. years have passed. Uh, yeah. We mentioned pregnant Amy. And uh, Rory's got a ponytail, which is, of course. Yeah. <laughs> He's a doctor now, not just a nurse. Yes. Yep. And uh, the, the doctor shows up, and the first thing he says when he sees Amy is, you've swallowed a planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like how when they hear the TARDIS materializing, Rory's first thought is someone is, in the neighborhood is using a leaf blower. It's <laughs> yes. like, use a rake. <laughs> yeah. That is that's good. Uh, they they explain like the doctor is immediately bored of Upper Ledworth. Even before that, I love uh, he's he's when he's still delighted at seeing them. It's like it's five years later and you haven't changed a bit apart from aging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that that is a good a good one. Um, so uh, yeah, so he says uh, yeah he's immediately bored of Upper Ledworth. Uh, Rory sort of defends it as um it's upmarket and full of pensioners or retirees. So, uh, so, th- so that's his it, defense. Um, it's an idyllic little quiet village, kind of stereotypical English village. I mean, yes, just quiet, you know, very quiet. Uh, very quiet. The doctor says, "What do you do here to stave off the self harm?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, actually, he pauses. What do you do here to stave off the, you know? And Amy jumps in with boredom, and at the same moment, he says, "Self harm." Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good. Uh, then as they're having this discussion sitting on a, and they sit down on this bench, they hear this bird song, uh, which makes them fall asleep. And then they wake up on the TARDIS. And this yeah. bird song, as they're falling asleep, it's not just instant. It's like yes. they kind of fight it a little bit and then they fall asleep. And this is effectively creepy because we're mm-hmm. here in this, in this idyllic village, it's sunlight. We're hearing this overly loud bird song and they're falling asleep. Yep. Right. And that's effectively creepy. And they're going to use the bird song whenever they fall asleep, either uh, either in the TARDIS or in Ledworth throughout the episode. It's our music cue that there's about to be a transition. And it's it's genuinely creepy, even more so on the TARDIS, because there are no birds that we see on the TARDIS. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, it's interesting, too. The doc- Before they fall asleep, you know, the, the doctor said, well, you know, I just wanted to pop in because I don't just abandon people when they leave the TARDIS. And of oh, course, right. all Doctor Who fans are going, yeah, you do that all the time, Doctor. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Well, it, it, it's, it, and it's mixed. There are companions that the Doctor drops off and never sees again or yep. doesn't see again for decades like Sarah Jane Smith. On the other hand, there's a, 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 a nice little thing in a Big Finish episode. Now, he vi- revisits lots of companions in Big Finish. But there's a nice thing in a Seventh Doctor Big Finish episode where he's visiting one of his audio companions, uh, Dr. Edith Smythe, as she's, as she's dying, if, mm. if I'm remembering her name correctly. And as she's dying, and she says, uh, Doctor, how did you know to come see me? And he says, well, you know how when you were traveling on the TARDIS, you had a calendar with all of your friends' birthdays? And she said, yeah. And he says, I have something like that. Oh, wow. Yes. And it's really sweet. Wow. Yep. That is that is really good. Yeah. So they back on the TARDIS, they they wake up, they're all like lying about. Uh, the doctor's lying on the console room floor. Uh Rory and Amy, Rory without a ponytail and Amy not pregnant, enter. Uh and they all basically they talk around, they realize they all had the same dream 
Which the doctor thought of as a nightmare because yeah. of how boring it was. <laughs> yes. And uh, uh, Amy says, yes, I was huge. I was a boat. And Rory says, oh, we had the, the same dream then. She says, are you calling me a boat? <laughs> he, he, he totally yeah. ties him around what she just said. <laughs> anyway, they, they hear the birds again uh, and then wake up back in the village. And then they think they all dreamed the TARDIS. So which is real, their dream of the TARDIS or their dream of Ledworth? And that's that's the, the central question here. So the doctor tells them to examine everything for what rings true uh, uh, once they're back on the TARDIS. And Rory says, okay, we're in a spaceship that's bigger on the inside than the outside with a and bow tie wearing alien. Amy <laughs> yeah. adds that point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, pretty much anything could be, could, 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 doesn't ring true. So they've, they've jumped back and forth a couple of times. And at this point, the TARDIS starts acting weird and then just shuts off dead. So completely. It's apparently had, had a kernel panic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The doctor, you know, back in Ledworth. The doctor is kind of saying, look, you know, uh, this this must be the dream or this is, might be the dream because, you know, Rory's a doctor, just like he's always dreamed. He's got Amy. She's pregnant. They're starting a family. This is obviously your dream, Rory, you know, that they kind of mm-hmm. start to go down that path where it, this must be Rory's dream that's affecting all of them, which is a nice little bit of misdirection. They, they do. The doctor wants to examine the old folks home that's there. He thinks something's wrong there. Well, as, as you've got the all the old folks staring out the window at them as they're walking yeah. by, I think that's a. I, have you been seen old folks' homes? That's kind of normal. They need something to do. Yeah, Look at truly. the people outside. <laughs> <laughs> so then, back on the TARDIS once again. This is when the Dream Lord appears, well, played by it, Toby Jones. Also, before that, it's they notice it's getting cold on the TARDIS. On the TARDIS, yes, because it's turned off. Yep. Yeah, and then the Dream Lord appears, or this figure appears. He's not yet called the Dream Lord. Right. And he's played by Toby Jones, who is awesome in this role. Yes. He, oh, I mean, yes. this is, Toby Jones is the good thing about this episode. It right. is He just, he is magic in this episode. Now, you may have seen him if you've seen Sherlock. Yep. He's in the episode The Lying Detective, where... He's playing a serial killer who matches wits with Sherlock, and he's driven by compulsions. He's a psychopath. He's driven by compulsions to kill anybody. It's like he doesn't really even care who. He just needs right. to kill anybody. And he is the he does sinister menace like nobody's business. Right. He is just contemptuous of the doctor. He is scornful. He is menacing, he is cruel, he is taunting, he is suave and sophisticated. He is an awesome villain. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he names himself since the since they've figured out either what's happening on the TARDIS is a dream or they or what's happening in Le- Upper Ledworth is a dream and he's in control of that and he proves he's in control by like appearing and disappearing. He's also intangible. Right. Mm-hmm. They can't touch him. But he appears and disappears around the TARDIS control room, and he says, well, if you're the Time Lord, that makes me the Dream Lord. Yes. And so that's, he names himself that. He also refers to Rory as a gooseberry. <laughs> and for Americans who may not know that term, it refers to a kind of person who tags along on a date. Right. We, we'd use the phrase third wheel, is what we yes. would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Rory defends himself because he's married to Amy. It's like, if anyone's the gooseberry here, it's the doctor. 
Right. And that <laughs> sets up the who is the who is the gooseberry? Who is Amy going to choose? Yes. And that's what he sets up is he says Amy needs to make a choice. That's the the, the what's going on here with him. I, I do like this. He gets this one dig in on the doctor. He says, if you had any more tawdry quirks, you could open up a tawdry quirk shop. The madcap vehicle, the cockamamie hair, the clothes designed by a first-year fashion student. I'm surprised you haven't got a little purple space dog just to ram home what an intergalactic wag you are. I just, I, I roared at that one. That is a great line. I had that in my notes, too. I, I love his delivery. It's like, if you had any more tawdry quirks, you could open up a tawdry quirk shop. Yeah. <laughs> just utterly contemptuous. I just... Yeah, it's so good. I mean, and when we find out the resolution, it's kind of interesting uh, to think about. Uh, yeah, he, he also notes that he implies he's known the doctor for a very long time. Yes. But the doctor at this point doesn't know who he is. He says, I've, you know, I've lived 900 years. I don't remember everybody. Right. Uh, and so he says, uh, here's your challenge uh, to Amy. Two worlds here in the time machine and there in the village. Uh, one is real. The other's fake. And just to make it more interesting, you're going to face in both worlds a deadly danger, but only one of the dangers is real. Uh, if you die in the real one, you die. If you if you die well, in the fake if, one, if you'll you, wake up. If you die in the fake one, you'll wake up in the real world. Ask me what happens if you die in the real world. <laughs> or ask me what happens if you die in reality. What happens? You die, stupid. That's why it's called reality. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a good one. <laughs> So uh, they back in uh, Upper Ledworth, uh, Amy pretends to go into labor to punish the doctor for calling her uh, life in Ledworth dull. <laughs> yeah. Her line is great. It's like, because he, he's going on about how dull it is. She pretends to have labor pains. He and Rory both freak out. It's like, we're both doctors. It's okay. And he's like holding his hands down Under. as if to catch the baby. And yeah. it's just going to pop out. <laughs> and, and and she's like, this is my life, and it just turned your face white as a sheet. Don't you ever call it dull. And <laughs> yeah. like, point taken. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so uh, back, so the end up with, they're outside the, the old folks' home, and they're in a playground. We've seen kids pass by going into some ruins of a, of a uh, castle, and... Um, the doctor says, uh, now we all know there's an elephant in the room. And Amy says, I have to be this size. I'm having a baby. He says, no, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> Rory's talking ponytail. About Rory's ponytail. <laughs> you hold him down. I'll cut it off. <laughs> I just, just such back and forth. They end up, the hear the birds. They back, back on the TARDIS. Um, Rory says, on the TARDIS, I like that other life where we're settled. But Amy says, why would anyone give up all of this, the TARDIS? So, we're seeing, like, Upper Ledworth is Rory's dream. The TARDIS is apparently Amy's dream. Well, and and they're, they're, still, they're still new enough to the TARDIS that for Amy, it's still the, the, you know, the bright lights of the TARDIS, if you will. You know, they're yes. still dazzled by it and by travel. And we see this all the time with companions. They first get on there, and they're just dazzled by it, but then eventually it wears them down. Right, the, the constant travel wears them down. Yes, like yes. Yep. the constant uh, death-defying stunts. So then they, the, the, the danger on the TARDIS is that they're drifting toward what they call a cold star, a star that burns cold. Uh, and they immediately, Amy is like immediately, how does that work? Nuclear fission, dude. I mean, she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't know the nuclear fission or doesn't refer to the nuclear fission concept or fusion concept. But the idea of a star burning cold is, you know, everybody knows stars are hot. So 
mm-hmm. how is that is even possible? Is that evidence this is a dream? And the right. doctor admits he doesn't know everything. There might be cold stars. Right, right. Big universe. Uh, so uh, a weird new star, 14 minutes left to live, and only one man to save the day. Rory says, I just wanted a nice village and a family. Yeah. So back into back in Led, Upper Ledworth, they discover I, – I love the name, by the way, Ledworth. It feels dull, like lead, yeah. like heavy. Uh, hmm. And well, so, this is Upper Ledworth, so it's like even <laughs> right. more – it's doubly dull. It's the slightly more leady. Uh, so back in Upper Ledworth, they discover that all those children they saw earlier have been turned into piles of dust somehow. Uh, yeah. The doctor thinks yeah. it's the old people. And there's a nice setup for that where they're, they, when they wake up in Upper Ledworth, the doctor is like, where have all the children we saw gone? And Rory says, I don't know, playtime's probably over. And then <laughs> yeah. as Amy and Rory are talking, the doctor's going around to wear these like children's raincoats with piles of dust under them. Yes. And he's like, playtime is definitely over. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So that's when they realize. So uh, Amy says that uh, she got pregnant so she doesn't have to be in another Really bad amateur dramatic society play. <laughs> of Oklahoma. <laughs> of Oklahoma, right. Although it would be interesting to see Karen Gillian singing, I'm just a girl who can't say no. I'm in a terrible fix. <laughs> <laughs> it's one day Karen Gillian will be in Oklahoma. Uh, the Dream Lord shows up again and taunts them. And the doctor th- the doctor says, I, I know who you are. And yeah. this is where... Uh, when I was watching it the first time, I thought, he thinks this is the master. This must be the master. Because we don't see the master at all in this doctor's time, do we? No, we don't. And this is a very master-like character. He knows the doctor yeah. intimately, psychologically, and hates him. Specifically, the line the doctor says is, I know who you are. No idea how you're here. But right. there's only one person in the universe that hates me as much as you. Right. and that's fake out to make us think it's the master right yes yes uh and then uh we turn to the old people who have showed up in in an ominous crowd uh and it turns out they all have this one-eyed creature living inside them that peeks out of their mouths which is appropriately creepy called echnodynes um who tell us that they were driven from their planet by upstart neighbors the doctor uh, says so we have a similarity to vampires of venice so we get a little bit of that Mm-hmm. and they've taken over the bodies, and now they're mad, and they just want to start killing all the humans, basically. Which they do by breathing out this green mist that disintegrates people. Yes, it, it does a Thanos to them. So, <laughs> if, for, for uh, Avengers uh, Endgame sort of reference, Amy and Rory run to their house, uh, and Rory <laughs> has to hit this old lady who's, who's standing in his way, and he's like, I can't hit her! And he's like, just hit her! <laughs> The doctor is chased into a butcher's shop where the Dream Lord makes a dad joke about, come in, we've got lots at stake here this week, and other mm. fine jokes like that, which I appreciated. And the doctor is resisting falling asleep here yes. as yep. he's being chased by the crowd of old people. He's And it's neat to see him resisting it. It's not just automatic now. Right, right. And so he locks himself in a uh, in a freezer, basically, uh, the cold storage, uh, so that way they can't get in. Then they they've all they do all eventually fall asleep and show up back on the TARDIS where uh, Amy modifies some blankets into ponchos and says, "Let's die like a Peruvian folk band," which I thought was a great line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, the Doctor has a great line where Rory is being incredulous about the phenomena they've been seeing, 
including the cold star. And the doctor is like, ice can burn, sofas can read. It's a big universe. <laughs> sofas can read. <laughs> we all we also have the um, conflict between the doctor and Rory come really into focus in this episode, mm-hmm. and the doctor realizes that he and Rory are not just disagreeing; they're staking out positions on purpose in opposition to each other because they're competing over Amy. Right. Mm-hmm. And the doctor kind of calls out Rory and says, stop competing. He like just comes right out and says it. Um, and yeah. uh, and they, so they, the doctor Rory can't agree on what's real, which one is real because they're, they're competing for Amy and that's preventing them from, you know, seeing things objectively in in, in right. that sense. Because the doctor wants one thing to be real, namely yeah. not Ledworth. And Amy wants one thing to be, uh, Rory wants one thing to be real. That's Ledworth. And so yes. no matter what evidence the other has, they're dismissing it. Yes. And that's preventing them from figuring out the dream. And the doctor then has an interesting thought, and it's interesting the doctor has this thought. Of if only we could get one of us awake in the other world, we'd have a presence in both worlds, and we yes. might be able to deal with this better. And the Dream Lord says, what a great idea. Let's put the two of you to sleep in Ledworth, and I'll stay here and menace Amy. <laughs> right, yep. right. So he keeps Amy in the TARDIS and sends the Doctor and Rory back to Le- Upper Ledworth uh, separately. They're They're not together. Well, that's because the doctor, they'd already separated. Rory was in a house with Amy, and the doctor was locked in the meat freezer. Right. So the doctor uh, escapes, jumps into a VW van, and drives around rescuing people, because that's what the doctor does. He takes it from the guy, he like commandeers the van, he hops (laughs) in and says, it's okay, it's only me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This random stranger, (laughs) and then starts rescuing people with the van. Meanwhile, Rory alone is having to drag Amy upstairs in her enhanced weight condition yeah. <laughs> yes apologizing as he drags the whole her. way <laughs> you're gonna have some bruises after this uh back on the tardis the dream lord uh disabuses amy of the notion that the doctor tells her everything she's like she thinks oh the doctor tells me stuff he like he he confides in me he's like do you really think he tells you everything you're the one girl in the universe he he shares all his secrets with and she's like right yes then what's his name yes <laughs> and uh then he tells her that all of this is really comes down to her choice. He he also exploits her fears about being left by the doctor. Yes. You know, yeah. he tries to paint the fact that even though he's the one who put the doctor to sleep, it's like, just like him, just, you know, leaves you. And he points out that the doctor abandons his companions when they grow up, so a little Peter Pan reference, and aren't interesting anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is not unreasonably... Not un- yeah. <laughs> that's not inaccurate. So uh, yeah. back in Ledworth, Amy does wake up in the house, and uh, Rory cuts off his ponytail for her to prove his love. But then he gets uh, that she's like, "Oh, I'm starting to like it." Yeah. And then he gets a little bit of the green gas blown on him by one of the old people, and gets all Thanos snappy and uh, turns to dust. So this is Rory's first death. Yes, yep. I was going to say a bit of foreshadowing of many. here. Of many. Of many. <laughs> yes, and. This is where Amy starts to make her choice, and she says to the doctor who's now shown up, save him. You always save everybody. He says, not always. And then she says to him, then what's the point of you? Like, in, uh, angrily, which, yep. that's very, very hard. That's, that's, I mean, that's a good moment, I think, in the, in the yeah. writing of this. 
She also grabs Rory's ponytail, which is the only thing that's left of him now because he cut yes. it off. And she decides this is a, this is the dream. And right. so we need to die here. And right. I watched this twice uh, just to make sure I got the nuances of this. And the doctor is pointing out, well, we could die here. And she says, either way, meaning whether we die for real or whether we die and wake up in the real world, it's my only chance of seeing him again. Right. So what she's done is constructed a form of Pascal's wager. She's using pragmatic reasoning rather than epistemic mm-hmm. reasoning. The goal is, how do I see Rory again? Well, if I die here and this is the dream, then I wake up and I'll see Rory again. Yes. If this is reality and I die, then maybe I see him in the afterlife. And this is actually kind of like uh, Socrates's a similar application at the end of Plato's Apology, where he's been sentenced to death and he, re- he reasons that either death is like a pleasant sleep where you don't dream anything, or you get to talk to all these famous people from history that you get to see. And so I love seeing prudential reasoning being applied in these situations. And we have what's essentially a variant of Pascal's wager, only with Rory instead of God. (laughs) (laughs) But she is betting that there's a heaven. I mean, she's the the assumption is there's an afterlife. Well, and there's Uh, also the idea of just not not wanting to be in this life without him as well. And that's, again, where you get down to the, the idea of the choice of she chose him. And now that he's gone, she doesn't think. It, 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 you could get kind of, kind of nihilistic too, though. You know, life's not worth living if he's not around, yeah. right? And it, it must be a dream. I, what I was thinking is because if if she were really a pregnant mother, she would never put you know sacrifice her life like that for the baby because that baby is is yeah. is Rory's mm-hmm. legacy continuation yep. and her child and that sort of thing. But Rory even puts a point on it. He says, "Take care of our baby as he's disintegrating." Yes. Yes. But in order to prove that it's uh, not real, they drive the camper van into the house to kill themselves or, and, or win. And, and since it's and it's interesting, I mean, the doctor makes it really clear to her that, you know, this could be real. And then because it's her decision, he gives her the keys and lets her drive. Yes. But both of them go. So he's risking dying and regenerating <laughs> by crashing into this stone house. And as they're getting ready to go, the doctor climbs into the passenger seat, which in England is on the other side from mm-hmm. what we Americans are used to. And Toby Jones is just standing there as the dream lord, wearing a fedora, just scowling at the doctor. He right. doesn't say anything. He's just standing there looking. And it's, it's really effective. It's like yes. he's witnessing this, and he's not telling you whether what you're doing is right, but man, does he show ill will. and then they they crash towards the building and just before they hit the camera cut so we don't actually see the crash yes and they wake on the tardis uh covered in a thick layer of ice everywhere including themselves and the dream lord tells them they made the right choice and then the tardis power is restored and he's you know kind of menacingly charming about it's like Fair is fair. You made the right choice. Let's get you warmed up. And he starts turning on things in the TARDIS and disappears. And the the doctor decides that the Dream Lord was offering them a choice between two dreams. Like he says, like this wow. isn't real either. He he, he doesn't say yeah. that right at first. <laughs> yeah. What he says is Rory is he starts working on the console and Rory and Amy are talking about how, oh great, we found reality, blah, 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 blah. 
what are you doing, doctor? I'm going to blow up the TARDIS. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, what? And then that's when he explains that that the dream lord just gave them a choice between two different dreams. He first of all he says cold stars give me a break. So that was <laughs> right. a sign that this is a dream. And the dream lord has no power in the real world, but he just did stuff if this is the real world, he just turned on the TARDIS in other words. Right. So he has power in this world which he shouldn't if it's not a dream. And then finally the doctor says and I know who he is. Yes. And it's the and we're again assuming the uh, the audience might assume He's still saying he's the master, but it's not the master. There is actually a a nice moment with Amy and Rory to start this, by the way, um, Uh where Rory wakes up and says, what happened to me? Like, he didn't remember dying. Amy Mm -hmm. gives him a hug. He says, oh, this is good. Was it something I said? Could you tell me what it was so I can use it in emergencies like birthdays? (laughs) It's good. Like (laughs) emergencies and maybe birthdays. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) That's good. Uh, so, so the doctor blows up the TARDIS, and we yes. have we don't, it's dark, but we hear the explosion, and then they wake up all over again. Well, they're back in the TARDIS at any rate, and the TARDIS yes. is all lit up and not covered in ice. Right. Yep. Um, and he, it, Amy, Amy, and Rory come in to the t- control room, and the doctor is looking at something in his hand, and uh, Amy, so Amy asks, "Well, what's in your hand?" And he says, "Oh, it's a speck of psychic pollen." From the Candle Meadows of Karas Donslava, uh, which must have fell, fallen in the time rotor, heated up, and induced a dream state. And then, so he takes it to the door of the TARDIS, opens up, and blows it out into space. And he explains that psychic pollen is something that, like, feeds on whatever is dark inside you and gives it a voice. So that's right. what the Dream Lord was, and that's by implication. Now we know who hates the Doctor more than anyone else in the universe— it's the doctor himself. Yep, He's filled right. with self-loathing at this point. Right. And he says it didn't feed on Amy and Rory because they're good and the, the you know, I, I chose you for that, basically. Yeah, he, he would have starved if it was feeding on the, on the evil in you. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Or the darkness in you. So uh, Rory, at, at this point, realizes that Amy didn't know that Upper Ledworth was actually a dream when she crashed the, the van. Uh, so that he realizes she wanted to die if if he wasn't there with her. So uh, yep. we have this Amy's choice is for Rory here at this point. Mm-hmm. And then as we finish out the episode, the doctor's looking at the console. We see his reflection in it. And we see the Dream Lord's reflection back at him. And then we switch to seeing now uh, Matt Smith's reflection back in it. And I was wondering, is it possible that the Dream Lord, if we want to sort of maybe turn it around, Will Chris Chibnall make the Dream Lord one of the doc- the Thirteenth Doctor's previous uh, um, incarnations that we just I, had revealed? My opinion, I don't think so. I think this is it's kind of a, if you will, an incarnation of the Doctor's interior. Yes. You know, it's it's how he views himself, basically. Yeah, you know, and that that's why when he saw his reflection in the the console, is he's that kind of how he's looking at himself. You know, we all have that that right. self that image of ourselves of who we think we are, and that's yeah. how he sees himself. I I think that as far as the TV show goes, this is a one off. Okay, mm-hmm. I would love them to bring back Toby Jones as the Dream Lord. He is awesome. Yes, but I don't think it'll happen on the TV show. It could happen in Big Finish, and I think they even leave the door open for that to happen. Even though I don't think the TV show will do it. 
with his reflection. Because yeah. that's an intimation that the Dream Lord's not really gone, and maybe the psychic pollen wasn't the full explanation, and he, ha- or at least he hasn't really been defeated and could come back. That's the point of the lingering reflection, even once the psychic pollen is gone. Right. But also, this is a, another very Stephen Moffat fairy tale story. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can feel the fairy tale elements in this. It's, I mean, the, the cold star, the idyllic village, the choice between these two figures the dream lord it's all it's very it's not science fiction it's science fairy tale in this episode and i'm glad that they paid off amy's choice now in other series they could have kept this dramatic tension going Mm -hmm. and i think the quicker they rendered it non-romantic there'll still be tension between the characters but as soon as they got it into the non-romantic sphere the it, it was off on a better footing and we'd had lots of drama of the romance nature back in the Russell T. Davies era. And even though it was fine to experiment with some of that, you know, like with Rose and even Martha as the rebound wannabe romance interest mm-hmm. who wasn't, that was fine. But where it really found its footing and the show felt best was with Donna, where it was just friends. Yeah, And so it can make sense. You've got the doctor and this young girl. Is there an interest there? Well, let's let's knock that away in about four episodes. Mm. So we definitively establish, we entertain the idea, but then we get rid of it quickly. Yep. So I like that. It's often been pointed out that, now in addition to the Dream Lord being the master, there's another figure that Stephen Moffat could have meant us to read him as possibly, mm-hmm. which is the Valyard. Mm. Right. From the doctor's, uh, the way it was described, it's like sometime between the doctor's 12th and final incarnations. Well, Matt Smith is 11. The doctor <laughs> is supposed to have this Valyard thing, which is the dark side of him. And that's essentially what the Dream Lord is. He's essentially an early manifestation of the Valyard type consciousness. And so people have noted connections between him and the Valyard. Thus far, we have had the Valyard have spinoff stuff in Big Finish, and that would, to my mind, be the best bet of seeing Toby Jones back as the Dream Lord. I would mm-hmm. love some Big Finish audio about Toby Jones as the Dream Lord. I think that mm-hmm. would be wonderful. That would, that would be kind of interesting if they could do something like kind of an inner monologue episode or inner monologue story where it, the whole story is just the Doctor monologuing with himself in the person of the Dream Lord. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That'd they could do it. They could do that as a short trip. Yeah, where it's yeah, yeah. a story read by one person. I could also see them having him brought back, maybe by psychic pollen or some other means. I mean, mm-hmm. psychic anything, <laughs> and yeah. even detaching him from the doctor so he can be in, an independent agent. But I'd love to see that. Oh, by the way, speaking of big finish, Missy Volume Two is now out. So there's mm. four new Missy, <laughs> four new Missy plays. That I'm uh, that I've gotten and I'm listening to, and also Susan's War mm. is now out. So got some audio plays with uh, with Susan and her experiences during the Time War. Now, nice. Okay. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll big finishes coming up in a few minutes. Actually, we'll be talking about that in a second as we round things up. Uh, Father Corey, any last? Uh, one thing I do like is we're starting to see Rory kind of coming out of his shell a bit more. He's not quite as derpy as he was yeah. in the last couple of episodes. He's starting to be a bit more of an agent. And of course, and again, we've talked about before, 
next season he really takes off on his own. It's just that this season they they are building his character to become much more the Rory that everybody likes. Right. Right. Also, as usual in this episode, a lot of it is a lot of and you can even hear it in our comments, a lot of what's really nice about it is the dialogue. Yep. Stephen Moffat can have a really good ear for dialogue. And one example of that, where the Dream Lord is in kind of encapsulating the Doctor's interest in youthful companions, which is really dictated by the show more than mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. So there's a behind-the-scenes explanation for it. But in, in terms of the on-screen explanation, as the Dream Lord puts it, the old man prefers the company of the young, does he not? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, which is ironic, given that Matt Smith is the youngest actor to play the Doctor at that. Point. <laughs> I yeah. think he still is, right? Still is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we do have a bit of listener feedback, so I just wanted to uh, read Excellent. that um, really quick it, on our episode one eighty four on Time of the Angels. Uh, we were commenting on how River Song knew how to fly the TARDIS and was going back and forth. Scott Shields wrote in via email. In the pirate planet, Romana pilots the TARDIS, and she was flying it based off of the manual, and it still made the landing noise. So, you know, it, she left the brake on, too. So, it... <laughs> Wibbly, wobbly, timey-wimey. You can explain all inconsistencies because of the time war changed thing. <laughs> exactly. and, and because Stephen Moffat decided he wanted a quick throw-out line like that. Yep. Yes, They're yes. all true. Yes, yes, all true. Thank you. Thank you, Scott, for the feedback. Yeah. So as we wrap it up, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Tatiana W., Ivan I., Kristen H., Joseph L., and Morrowind. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. Let us know what you think of Amy's Choice uh, by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or by sending us an email to Who at sqpn.com. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the eighth Doctor story from Big Finish called Storm Warning. Yes, we're going to start doing eighth Doctor stories in the rotation do him after we do the seventh and before we go back to the first. So we're going to start doing some big finish stories featuring the eighth doctor. And this one is storm warning. And it's the introduction of the companion, Charlie Pollard, who you will have already met. If you heard our chimes at midnight review. That's right. That's right. So until next time, father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of doctor who. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken. Thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, don't ever call me Chubbs again. Right. This is going to be fun.